From the University of Utah, you're tuned in to Loco for Local, a KU radio production where we talk with local artists, venues, and visionaries about the state of music in the Great Salt Lake. I'm Luke Davies, and I recently had the incredible opportunity to talk with Will Sartain of Sartain and Saunders, the owners and operators of Salt Lake's three most popular small capacity venues, Kilby Court, the Metro Music Hall, and the Urban Lounge. As the co-owner of these venues and a member of the local entertainment industry for nearly 20 years, Will has an intimate relationship to Salt Lake City music culture. He's seen the facades and realities of our city, and it shows. Now more than ever, his philosophy of live music is paramount. The financial and cultural shifts caused from an embargo of live events due to the coronavirus are akin to those we have never seen. Of course, we want to keep everyone safe, but the vitality of perhaps the most important cultural and financial aspect of American cities is at risk. Previously, we've talked with local artists about their struggle to create innovative art and create income at this time, but local venues emblazon the discussion on social restrictions with a unique perspective. Will this pandemic result in the obsolescence of live music, or is there something irreplaceable about it? You're tuned into Loco for Local. I'm Luke Davies, and I hope you enjoy the show today. Mr. Will Sartain of Sartain Saunders Entertainment, thank you so much for joining us. So could you just go ahead and tell me a little bit about what your company is like? I see that you've been operating since 2003, so almost 20 years you've been in the entertainment industry in Salt Lake City. So just tell me a little bit about what that's been like and why you got into it in the first place. Yeah, so um, I started out working with concerts when I was um, 18. I got a job at Kilby Court. Um and I, I worked there for three years, and then I started my own company. Um, and then later on, I got a partner, Lance, so the S&S. Um, but yeah, it's been a really cool run, and um, now we have three venues and a restaurant, and we put on the different summer shows and things like that, so... Yeah, I see from your website that you own three of probably the most beloved venues in Salt Lake City. You got Kilby Court, the Urban Lounge, and Metro Music Hall, and that restaurant is Rye Diner and Drinks. Um, I saw on your website that you posted that prior to the pandemic, you guys were booking over a thousand concerts a year throughout the multiple venues. So clearly, you guys have got your hands full, so to speak. Um, and you've also presented at the Depot, the Complex, and the Greek Station for different events as promoters. Um, your largest event you ever did was the Kilby Court annual block party in 2019 that had a capacity of, on your website, it says 20,000 people. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to work with an event of that size? Oh, shoot. You know, that was only a 5,000 person event. Um, maybe, I'm not sure if that was a typo on the website or not. But. <laughs> well, regardless, that's still pretty insane. What was that like? Um, you know, it's sort of like um, pretty second nature to us at this point because we... Um, like for example, in 2019, we did, um, 15 shows doing Salt Lake Twilight and Ogden Twilight that averaged about 5,000 tickets, but, um, kind of working as a club promoter and, and working your way up. Um, once you start doing like a thousand tickets or 1500 tickets or 2,500 tickets, um, you start to see the, the bigger needs for things like, you know, it's essentially a small festival, um, and you just start building the needs for each event as they get larger. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of parts and a lot of planning and um, a lot of people involved. So, <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. 
I guess that passion must play a huge part in your work because, I mean, you've been doing this for so long and even when you were so young, you started working at these venues. So music must be super important to you. But what can you say in terms of like unexpected stresses or other difficult things about this job that you experienced that people might not expect from that line of work? Uh, sorry, so stresses from the pandemic or stresses in general? Just in general from this kind of work. Oh. Like, what do you think are some things that people might not expect from being a venue owner and event promoter? You know, I think stresses probably, you know, there's there's keeping people safe from harm. There's um, making sure you're checking all your boxes um, from, like, planning to day of um it's just so much like uh advertising ticketing um <laughs> day of there's like you know i don't know 50 small things that need to happen and keeping that organized making sure that it's being done is um quite stressful and i mean of course we've had a lot of shows that we've lost a ton of money on or whatnot so that's kind of stressful um but it's all a learning experience and um, all in all, it, it takes, it takes, uh, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, but we've, we've kind of, we've gotten there, you know, it's, it's something that we've really worked hard to, to perfect. Right. Yeah. I imagine it must be a little bit of a logistical nightmare. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, I think the good thing for us is we grew sort of organically and, um, you know, a small show versus a giant show. There's such a vast difference, but um, the organization has improved throughout the years, especially the last 10 years. Right. Awesome. So you mentioned that you work mostly with smaller venues. Um, and I noticed that you also primarily work in Salt Lake City. Have you ever worked with this kind of stuff outside of Utah or what really attracted you to Salt Lake City in the first place? So I was raised here. Um, and then I, I really just, it, it's very difficult to go to another market and start, start from the ground up. And it's not something that's been really attractive to me. Um, I know people that have done it and it just feels like we're really invested in, in this city and this market and we know this market so well. Um, so you're just entering into a lot of competing forces and you're not on the ground and, um, yeah, I just prefer to grow everything here. Um, not saying that that's out of the question ever, but um, yeah, that's kind of what's attracted to just that's what's attracted us to staying here. Yeah, and I mean, you've been working here for nearly twenty years now at this point, um, so you've really gotten your hands dirty in the Salt Lake City music culture. Uh, what would you say over the years you've noticed are really the pinnacles of the Salt Lake City music scene? Well, I think like the growing interest in music in general um, here and nationally and worldwide you can see that um technology has really fueled accessibility to music um and going from a physical to i mean um when, when i was when i was growing up going to shows in the early 2000s or that time period there wasn't an internet presence really it was all cds and once you make that jump to everything is everywhere, um, the interest level I think has really gone up and made it feel way more accessible to people. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I see that on your website, there's a quote I'm going to read real quick, which says that beyond the business equation, our goal is to help our city have access to life-changing live music experiences, as well as serving our performing artists with as hospitable an experience as possible. So obviously from this, I can read that you care a lot about the city. You care a lot about the people coming to these shows and the city itself. Um, so... I mean, I think the question on everyone's minds, obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has had a huge financial hit, I'm sure, on your business and what's been going on. But also, I imagine it's had a pretty decent cultural impact. Um, so how would you say that you've noticed this really shifting things in terms of the culture of Salt Lake City music? Well, I mean, you know, we shut down for several months um, and it's psychologically pretty difficult to understand in real time what the effects of taking away, not only socializing, but music. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the stresses I think are on people. I mean, you, it, not being able to see music is so hard, I think, because it's such a big part of so many people's lives going to see a band, even if that's once a month, you know, having this really great experience, um, can be such great fuel for the rest of your life, like day to day. So, of course, yeah. I mean, a bunch of my favorite memories are from huge concerts and things like that that I've been to. I mean, you know, I think that everyone really connects with their friends, with their family through music, and this has been a huge hit, I think, to cultures everywhere. Um, so I got to ask about your opinions on the current state of what the government has been doing to try and slow the spread and things like that. Because I imagine that obviously, you know, you want to keep everyone safe. You don't want to have to have the whole city shut down, but at the same time, you know, this is, this is your livelihood. It depends on social events and it depends on people being together. Um, so what's it been like sort of dealing with and what are your opinions on the lockdowns that occurred in the past and the current restrictions we have right now? Well, I mean, the restrictions are, quite minor compared to other places in the world. Um, but I mean, still significant enough that, um, you know, people are not, um, people are not going out. So I, we've been pretty creative in what we've been trying to do. Um, since the start of the summer, we've done a, uh, about 15 bike events where you can bike from place to place and see these little small 20 minute concerts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting a little bit off track there. Um, what was what was the, the first part of that question? I was just mostly asking about your opinions on the lockdown, the current restrictions. But actually, let's talk a bit about that biking event. So um, I've heard rumor that there have been a lot of places trying to do socially distant concerts. I see that on your website you have new safety videos explaining how to stay safe and socially distant at your events. So have you mm -hmm. been able to keep in business during this time? Um. Not much. I mean, we're just kind of dipping our toe in the water. Like Urban Lounge hasn't had an indoor event since um, since the, since we started. Um, Kilby hasn't had an indoor event since we started. Um, but yeah, we've done a few outdoor events. Um, we've just started doing some outdoor Urban Lounge events. But the big question is how to move forward. And I guess kind of back to the point of... Um, how does a lockdown affect us? How does missing out on these social opportunities affect us? I think we have to find a way to continue doing something. Um, I just can't imagine a life where, like, say you're at a critical age of development and you miss concerts for like a year and a half. I mean, um, 
my feeling is we can find a way to do things safely and we have been doing that. And I, I feel like we're pretty close to being able to do some more things inside. Um, I think a lot of the spikes are not happening from things like what we're doing, but people that are just blatantly rejecting wearing masks and, and whatnot. So I, I think we'll find a way to, to, to bring live music back. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to hear that you guys are still doing something, even if it's not at the same capacity or scale of what it used to be. But I definitely have a huge crave for live music, and I'm sure that so many people do as well. Um, so I want to talk a bit about how Sartain and Saunders is a part of the National Independent Venue Association, which is basically this organization which is acting as a union among independent venues across the states. Um, and they put out a letter called the Artist Letter to Congress in June of 2020, which was basically written stating how, you know, concerts are a very significant source of income for local economies and how American music is the largest economic export that we have. And I mean, this letter was signed by more than a hundred of America's most prominent musical artists asking for greater funding for independent venues like Billie Eilish, Guns N' Roses, Jack Black, all these huge creators signed this thing. Um, and you're a member of this group. Uh, can you comment on what local and perhaps federal governments have done to try and help venues? Have they provided you guys with maybe financial assistance or anything of that sort? Yeah, I think, um, there has been some 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 help here, um, not necessarily directed at the music industry, um, but you know we've we've been able to get some grants and some loans um, that have helped quite a bit. Um, but the national level, we haven't seen a bill passed yet that will really help the independent venues out. And I think I think that's probably close. I hope. Um, and I think that's something that we should consider doing anyway. I mean, a lot of the European countries provide funding for music venues just to operate. If you can operate a music venue, you get like, I, I toured Europe once and this venue got like a hundred thousand dollars a year just because they were a venue from the government. So, um, I think this time will definitely help, you know, citizens and politicians appreciate what we have to offer as a, as a business group, like, you know, all of these venues. Of course. Yeah. I mean, as the lockdown and things have continued further into future than we initially hoped, I think it's definitely been on a lot of people's minds. Um, have you been involved in any kind of local hearings, anything like that to try and get funding from local governments? Have you seen any hope for anything like that? Nothing for the entertainment industry. They, they gave out a, a bunch of money to like larger organizations, like, I think the Eccles Theater got some money, the zoo got some money, just kind of broader cultural things, the symphony. Um, I'm not saying that the local government, like statewide, has left us behind in that kind of funding, but there hasn't been dedicated specific funding for smaller cultural organizations. We have gotten some other grants through different avenues that have been really helpful. Um, but yeah, I hope that that changes as this drags on and on. Yeah, hopefully we'll start to see some more support in the future. Speaking of the future, actually, I imagine that forecasting for this kind of industry must be incredibly difficult. But I see on your website that you guys are beginning to promote events starting as soon as early November. Um, what has the That's forecasting true. process been like for that? Because I imagine that, you know, you want to try and get 
your feet back on the ground as soon as you can. But at the same time, a lot of the future is really uncertain. So what has the forecasting process been like for you guys? So any of those events, say November, that are touring events are all going away. They're all going to be shifted to 2021. Oh, even then? Um, yeah, like my projection, honestly, is that we will see very, very little touring until at least August or September 2021. Most most tours are pushing that far back at this point. Um, my forecasting for, say, local events would probably be in the range of like starting as early as this November inside with a very small capacity. And then it would probably stay that way until at least the end of March. Um, once a vaccine starts to have a small impact and we would start to see a little bit bigger capacity and then April, a little bit more, May, a little bit more, June, a little bit more. And hopefully, you know, by July 1st, 2021, we can be at full capacity. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for that. Um, so going back to the National Independent Venue Association, earlier this year, they did a poll among certain members, and among the members that they surveyed, over 90% reported that without financial assistance, they may be forced to close permanently. Um, is this something you'd be able to comment on? I mean, planning on going as far as into June before being in full capacity obviously must be a pretty decent financial hit. How are you guys handling that? Yeah, I mean, so we loaded up on loans right when this started. We had some savings. We've got some grants. We've done a little business like the bike shows and outdoor shows. Um, we'll we'll be fine through 2021. I think um, a lot of people that haven't had grants on a state level will be somewhat more in trouble. Like we've been able to get a few statewide grants that have really helped us. Um, but, I mean, I think that's going to be different for every company. Um, how they've handled it at most places laid everyone off at this point. So you're really just fighting against rent and basic expenses. So I, I have hope that a lot of places will be able to make it. Um, but I, I really don't know. I think it, time will have to tell. Right. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I think that's just part of the deal with what's been going on lately. Um, well, I mean, I've been to some of your shows at your venues and I love them. I think that there's something really important about smaller venues and there's something that's so culturally significant about them and just meeting smaller artists and smaller people. Is there anything that maybe the residents of Salt Lake City, people in these surrounding areas could do in this meantime that could be supporting you and your businesses? You know, honestly, at this point, um, I think the biggest thing is just coming back when you feel comfortable. So whenever that is, if that's in March or July, whenever things are going, try to go to events, try to support local venues and local performers and local theater troops and anything that you can once this is going again, because everyone's going to need a ton of support. I think right now, um, you know, participating in any fundraisers that people are doing, um, I think that helps a lot, but I really think truly that once things are back online, that's the best method of support. Just really coming out a ton once this is all back to normal. Well, let's hope that we can get there soon, but for now, Will, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Luke. You've been tuned to Loco for Local from KU Radio at the University of Utah on our discussion with Will Sartain. For more information about Sartain and Saunders and to see upcoming events, you can visit sartainandsaunders.com. And wherever you are, please support local venues in any way that you can. 
I'm Luke Davies. Thanks for listening.